are listening to Books Are My People, a bi-weekly podcast for book lovers with book news, book recommendations, and ruminations on living a literary life in Los Angeles. This is episode 19. Hello, my name is Jennifer Calieris, for those of you joining me for the first time, and I am recording on Friday, March 20th. So happy spring, everyone. This is not the way I thought we'd be bouncing into spring. And life all over California and all over the country and world writ large has certainly changed since the last episode of this podcast. I hope everyone out there is taking care of themselves and staying home and staying healthy. My kids started online homeschool last week, and so far so good. There's been a lot of pajama time and a lot of very unusual heavy rain in Los Angeles, so we are trying to get outside when we can. It's been a little bit sunnier this week, so that's been really nice to get out. So it turns out that my chicken rearing and bread making skills have proven themselves to be quite handy over the last couple weeks. And while I have always fantasized about being forced to stay in my house all day so that I could read, never in my wildest dreams did I think that this is how that fantasy would play out. And the truth of the matter is now I'm so busy with the kids and their homeschool and cooking three meals a day and managing the house and everything else that there has been little to no time for reading. Um, except when I'm having trouble sleeping, which seems to be happening more frequently, and I'm sure I'm not alone there. I know a lot of us are stuck at home now and looking for things to do, and I just wanted to mention a few fun things that I found this week. I am going to link all of these resources in the show notes of this podcast. So for any culinary fans out there, Gucci Asteria's Massimo Butera is offering free virtual cooking classes on Instagram. He is a Michelin-starred chef, and you'll find his classes on his personal Instagram page at Massimo Butera. So far, he has posted about how to make a Thai curry salad and tortellini, and that sounds fun. Universal Films is releasing films that are in the theater on demand. So The Hunt, Invisible Man, Emma, and the new Trolls movie um, will all be released uh, today, which again, I'm recording on Friday. So three days ago, uh, they were released. And I think it's $20 to see the movie, which is a lot. But when you think about how much you pay for a movie theater ticket and all the concessions. It's really a little bit of a bargain. If you are in Los Angeles, Diesel Books, my favorite independent bookstore in Los Angeles, is open for curbside pickup and local delivery, which is nice since all of the libraries are obviously closed. I am also going to include a link in the show notes to Free Code Camp's list of 450 Ivy League courses you can take online right now for free. And this one's been really fun for us. The Cincinnati Zoo is featuring a live video of a different animal each day on their Facebook page. We've participated every day this week. And it was really fun. The first day we met Fiona, their three-year-old hippo, and learned all about hippos. Things like a group of hippos is called a bloat. I did not know that. Um, 
Then Tuesday, I think they featured their porcupine, which was incredible because I had no idea they were so cute and so agile. Who knew? Uh, Wednesday, we met their ocelot. And yesterday, we met the sloth, which was amazing because my family has a special affinity for sloths. If you are a fan of theater, Broadway HD is offering a free one-week trial for their streaming services that features Broadway performances. I'm excited to try this one. And I just found out that someone I follow on Instagram, a baker named Tim, I think he goes by Sourdough Tim, but I'm not sure I will link it properly, is teaching, like posting little vignettes on how he makes sourdough. So I will get a little sourdough lesson, which is exciting because I think it's different when you see the way someone um, works their sourdough as opposed to just reading it in a cookbook and trying to do it yourself. And that's all I've got so far. So if you have some ideas for me, please feel free to email them to me at booksaremypeople at gmail.com. And there really isn't that much book world news to share. I know a lot of friends and colleagues are having their um, book launches postponed or canceled, which I know is super disappointing. So I think it's really helpful if we can all be supportive and buy their books online as they are released. And my last bit of bookish news from the scant pile of bookish news is that Little Fires Everywhere has finally aired on Hulu. It aired on Wednesday, March 18th. They just released, I think, three episodes Uh, this week and maybe three more next week. Um, And it is, of course, based on Celeste Ng's novel of the same title and stars Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. Now on to the books. So I just wanted to reiterate that the kids are all home doing homeschool. So if you hear a little extra noise in the background, that is what that all is. So I do have my normal five books to recommend today. I don't know if that will be the case over the next few months. We will see how much reading I can get done while everyone is home. My first pick is titled The Holdout by Graham Moore. And I would say this falls under the suspense genre, but is pretty mainstream contemporary within that genre. The premise is that 10 years earlier, a trial of epic proportions took place in Los Angeles, whereby the jury acquitted Bobby Nock, a 25-year-old black man who had been accused of murdering his student that he was allegedly having an affair with. The verdict divided the nation, and the jury members all had their personal lives on display for a long time afterwards, and the verdict was that uh, he was acquitted. So then we fast forward 10 years later to our protagonist, Maya Seal, one of the jurors, who is now a 36-year-old criminal defense attorney, and she also happens to be the only non-guilty holdout in the jury and eventually kind of got everyone else to uh, jump on board with her decision. So now it's the 10-year anniversary of the trial, and Rick Leonard, who is another member of the jury, wants to commemorate it by getting all the jurors back together for a docu-series that revisits the past and kind of shows, you know, like, where are they now uh, for all the jurors who were on the trial? 
He manages to get everyone together and they're all staying back at the Omni Hotel downtown where they stayed when they were sequestered on the jury uh, 10 years earlier. And Rick has also made it very clear that he has some shocking new revelations that he wants to share with everyone that will prove once and for all that Bobby Nock, whom they found not guilty all those years ago, is in fact guilty of murder. But before Rick gets a chance to share this newly uncovered information, Rick is found dead. Um, and Maya, the defense attorney slash former jury member, is the prime suspect. So the novel bounces back and forth in time between the now of the story following Maya's storyline, and then it bounces back 10 years earlier during the trial. And through these kind of flashback chapters, we get to know each of the jury members and how and why they came to their own decision about uh, Bobby Knox's guilt or not. This is a fast-paced read that will appeal to fans of true crime and to anyone who perhaps lived through the O.J. Simpson trial. And um, this book is slated to become a TV series next year, which I can totally see because it's just fast-moving and has a lot of plot twists and turns. And again, that is called The Holdout by Graham Moore. Next up is Things in Jars by Jess Kidd. I would label this as historical fiction with like a twist of fantasy, more than a twist, a whole hula hoop of fantasy. So if you've listened to this podcast before, you know that I have a particular thing for stories set in Victorian times. I hold a master's degree in English and I wrote my thesis on gender and sexuality at the end of the Victorian era in literature. And I just love everything about the Victorian era. So when I heard about Jess Kidd's latest novel, I was excited to check it out. This book is about Bridie Devine, who is a detective living in Victorian London. She has been hired to find Chrisabel Berwick, who is the daughter of Sir Edmund Berwick. And as Bridie goes digging into Christabel's whereabouts, she uncovers some very bizarre goings on. So for starters, Sir Edmund, who has lost his daughter, um, had been hiding her away her entire life and kind of treats her more like a prized specimen rather than a beloved child. There are mumblings um, amongst the staff who work for Sir Edmund that Chrisabel is a marrow, which is sort of a version of a mermaid. And there are rumors swirling about Chrisabel's sharp teeth and her eyes that change color. And there's also a rumor that she has an ability to drown people on dry land. So all of this is happening with the more seedier side of Victorian London's underbelly as a backdrop. And just to make things even weirder, Bridie Devine's companion happens to be a ghost. While it does take place in Victorian England, which, as I mentioned before, speaks to me, this is not the type of book I normally go for. But it was fun and dark and gothic and really unlike anything I've ever read before. It was as though Charles Dickens and Mary Shelley had a book baby. Bridie Devine is a fantastic protagonist. She's the kind of protagonist that you'd want to hang out with at a bar. But really, all of the supporting characters here are equally as entertaining. 
And again, that is Things in Jars by Jess Kidd. Next up is a backlisted title. It is The Man in My Basement by Walter Mosley. So this was originally published back in 2003 and has been on my to-read list forever. It's a pretty short book, and once you start reading it, you really won't be able to stop because the premise is so bizarre. So Walter Mosley, if you have not heard of him, he is best known for his detective novels that take place in Los Angeles, and he often writes about race and morality, and this book is definitely no exception. This novel centers around Charles Blackie, a young black man who lives in a 200-year-old house that retains a lot of history, including art and artifacts that he keeps in his basement, and he doesn't even know they're worth because he can't be bothered to organize or clean or figure out how much they're worth. Charles has trouble keeping a job, and he drinks too much, and he's sort of a down-on-his-luck kind of character. He was most recently fired at the bank where he worked for stealing petty cash, which is so indicative of his character. Like, he can't even be bothered to put in the effort to steal more than just a little bit. One day, and I'm going to quote here, a small, bald-headed white man, end quote, arrives at his doorstep and offers Charles a huge sum of money to keep him locked up in his basement for a few months. So that is the very bizarre premise. It's a slow build in the book to the moment that the bald-headed white man actually moves into the basement about halfway through, but all of this info is on the jacket flap, so I don't think I'm ruining anything for you here. What unfolds is the discussions between the two men, obviously one in the cage, one not, um, on race and power and past improprieties and questions about who should pay for the previous generation's indiscretions toward mankind. It's a novel about redemption and rebirth, and it's one of those novels that's very uncomfortable to read, but you can't stop thinking about it long after the book ends. It's really impossible for me to compare this book to anything because it's so unique, both in its premise and execution. But I'd be curious to hear what you think about this one if anyone listening decides to read it. And if you want to hear Walter Mosley read a few excerpts from this novel, I've included that in the show notes as well. See, more things to do while you are quarantined at home. And again, that is The Man in My Basement by Walter Mosley. So I had a friend who is also a regular listener ask me not too long ago if I ever recommend books by male authors, to which I say, listen to today's episode because it's almost exclusively all male authors. But I do realize, I think I do read a lot more female writers than male writers. Uh, Sorry, not sorry. My next pick is by Keith Gessen. It might be Keith Jessen. I'm not sure. And it's called A Terrible Country. So this book felt very much like reading a nonfiction memoir, but it's not. It is fiction. Um, But it's written as a firsthand account of Andre Kaplan, who lives in the States, but he is called back to Russia to take care of his grandmother, Baba Siva. Andre is an expert on Russian literature and history, and he hopes to find new material to write about when he goes back to Moscow. But it turns out Baba Siva is worse off than 
Andre thought she was. She has severe dementia and requires much more effort than Andre was prepared to give her. This is definitely more of a character-driven novel. We follow Andre caring for his grandmother, exploring the city, trying to find a job, and playing ice hockey, which I particularly enjoyed because everyone but me and my family plays ice hockey. And it feels as though you're reading a real person's memoir about their time in Moscow. And there are a lot of laugh out loud, funny observations. Andre delves into the Russian political arena, and he just wants to do and meet everyone and talk to everyone and learn about life there. The author has obviously done his job researching Russian politics and history and literature, and I feel like I learned so much about all three reading this book. A Terrible Country explores the classic notion of a main character getting to know themselves by placing themselves in completely new terrain. And again, that was A Terrible Country by Keith Jessen. And my last pick today is Night Theater by Vikram Paralkar. This is another quite short gut punch of a novel. It is about a doctor who's working in a very small clinic in a poor Indian village. He has enough trouble all the time making sure he has the right materials to operate and keeping his poor working conditions as clean as possible. But as though straight out of a fairy tale, one night he is visited by three murdered people. You heard that right. And these murdered people include a father, pregnant wife, and their young son, who were murdered by bandits that night on their way home from a fair. And I kept waiting sort of for them to turn into vampires, but they did not. They tell the doctor that if he can offer them proper care, sewing up their wounds and healing them, they will be able to come back to life. But he has until morning to complete this task. For such a short book, this is not a fast read. The story takes place over the course of this one night only, and there are a lot of details here, and the reader really starts to feel for the doctor who must be totally claustrophobic, holed up with these dead people in need of resurrection. But it is beautifully written throughout, and then we also get to escape the now of the story and learn about the doctor's past and how a former colleague of his attempted a smear campaign against him, and that's the reason why he ended up leaving his work in a large, prosperous hospital and moved to his new remote location. So again, that is Night Theater by Vikram Paralkar. And that is it for this week. I hope everyone remains healthy out there. And if you like what you hear, please consider writing a review or giving a rating in Apple Podcasts. And up next for me is the novel Sharks in the Time of Saviors by Kawhi Strong Washburn. I'll be back in 14 days, and I hope you all have a wonderfully bookish week. Bye.